Welcome to your parent-teacher conference, where a 24-7 parent and full-time teacher discusses issues and concerns from both points of view in an attempt to bridge the gap for the sake of kids. So relax, grab a coffee or other comfort drink, and let's talk about it. Welcome to your parent-teacher conference. I'm your host, Coach Cullen. Today, we're going to talk about my philosophy of grading, how I developed it, why it works for my classroom, the topic I teach, and for the age of the children I work with. If you like what you hear, I would really appreciate it if whatever podcast app you're listening to this on, you rate it highly. You can share it with a friend. I really enjoy it when I hear people say to me, like friends of mine will say, hey, I listened to your podcast last week. I shared it with my, you know, my sister. So um, that's always nice to know. And if you do have anything to say to me, both positive or a kind critique, any thoughts for future podcasts, please feel free to reach out to me at ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. It's it's nice. I've gotten several people reaching out and just saying thank you. Um, I never thought of it like that or just, hey, I agree with what you say there and I just needed to hear somebody else say it. So I really do appreciate the contact. And again, ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. A few years ago, I was on Twitter and it was a discussion going on about homework. You know, should you give it? Should you not give it? What's the purpose? And the question that was posed was, what is your favorite type of homework assignment to hand out? So I shared that actually my favorite homework isn't really homework at all. It's an extra credit. So what I do like once every other week is I post a question and the students have a week to email me their response in paragraph form to the question. And they get a, they get somewhere between one and four points extra added to their point total that gets divided through and figures out their final grade. I really thought the answer that I gave was not controversial. I really didn't see there was going to be pushback. In fact, the one, the question I cited on the tweet was, there's a question I give at the beginning of every year, the first extra credit paragraph assignment. I asked my students to ask their parents, what was their favorite topic to study in history when they were in seventh grade and why. I teach seventh grade history. And throughout the years, I have gotten some amazing responses to this question. In fact, one year, I'm reading it. Now, I went to college. I teach in New Jersey. I went to college um, in the northern suburbs of New York, above New York City. And my student teaching was up there, about an hour north of... um, the city. So 
I'm about two hours away from two to three hours away from where I student taught. So I'm reading this extra credit paragraph and this kid is writing that his mom had this history teacher in middle school. He would reenact the Civil War. The seventh graders were the South. The eighth graders were the North. They learned how to make their uniform. They learned how to march. And then they would go out on an overnight encampment somewhere and they would have a quote-unquote battle of the Civil War. They had to journal it. It, it. it was very intensive. She talked about how it not only brought in history, but um, language arts and science and math. And I'm reading this. And I go up to the kid after, you know, after I'm done reading it. And I go, hey, do you know where your mom grew up and where she went to middle school? He goes, yeah. I go, did she go up near Poughkeepsie, New York? And all of a sudden, his eyes kind of, he kind of gets nervous. He goes, yeah, my, my grandparents still live up there. And I said, um, did she go to Blue Mountain Middle School? And now he's like, you can see in his face, like, is this guy stalking my family? He's like, yeah. I go, do you happen to know, the t did she mention the teacher's name that, she, that you wrote about? He's like, yes, yes, she did. And I go, was her teacher name Joe Ryan? And now he's about to lose it. He's like, yeah, like he is so scared. How did I know all this? And I just looked at him and go, I student taught with Mr. Ryan. I know exactly the program, the living history program your mom went through. So I, when I met his mom, his, his mom actually came in like the next week after she heard that. And she goes, I'm still in touch with Mr. Ryan. I actually reached out and I said, oh, my child has a wonderful history teacher that was a student teacher for you years ago. And he's like, oh, I remember him. And it, it was just, it was great. So that was the most special of these paragraphs I've ever received because I had a connection to it. But it's wonderful to hear that, um, you know, what a parent's idea of what, what their favorite topics were and why and you get some ideas. I got to be honest. It helps you out get some ideas of how maybe some things you should try in the classroom. But even on this tweet, when I was explaining this extra credit paragraph I do, I explained the question I usually pose. The first question being, um, what was your parents' favorite topic in seventh grade and why? I ended it with a line saying, student parents talking is a good thing. Again, I thought this was very uncontroversial. The person leading the chat, because I had to save, you know, Twitter, you, you can't put every word in. I wrote just EC. And the, the woman who was leading the chat goes, EC, question mark, please not extra credit. Okay, I, I wrote back, yes, extra credit. Then she responded, oh dear. I'm like, oh dear? I'm giving the kid extra credit, and your response is, Oh dear, like I'm doing something really horrible and that, that might get me arrested because I'm giving the kid extra credit. Oh dear. I mean, what kind of response is that? And then she suggests that I read somebody's book, probably a buddy of hers, and she includes him on this message thread. So I politely told her, no, I won't. 
Extra credit fits well into the philosophy of my classroom structure. It may not fit into yours. And I thought that was it. I mean, basically what I'm saying is, okay, you don't do extra credit. You have your reasons. You're a teacher. You're a professional. I get it. But I'm a teacher. I'm a professional as well. And it works well for my the philosophy I have about education. It works well within my classroom structure. We're good, right? Of course, the guy she tags who wrote the book about, like, I guess, grading and extra credit, why you shouldn't give extra credit, has to respond, right? So, probably to promote his book. He, maybe he thought I was going to say, oh gosh, I got to read your book now. I got to buy it. I don't know. I, I don't know. But here's how he responds. After this response, yeah, there'd be no chance I ever buy a book by this guy. So, here it goes. Here's how he responds. How does extra credit fit into any philosophy if grades are about achievement of learning goals? I mean, basically, the guy was saying, hey, how does what you're doing fit into what I believe? So I basically was honest with him. It doesn't. It really doesn't. Because I don't agree with you. That ended the conversation. So I think he was he wised up and said, you know what? There's no point in discussing it. Good for him. Because there wasn't. But what are my philosophies and what are my classroom structures about grading and how does this extra credit have anything to do with it and this discussion I just had? So let me explain to you extra credit, my whole grading philosophy, why I do it, why extra credit is a big part of it. It may not be for you. I would say for a math teacher, this probably wouldn't work. The reason is, especially in the younger years of math, grades are very reflective of the standards that you have to have your students complete. So when a parent looks at a math grade and they see a C plus, they can roughly know that their child is receiving, like getting 78% of the problem math problems right. They're getting 78% of the multiplication facts right. They're getting 78% of the algebraic equations right. But it's not like that with history. Let's be honest, some of history is subjective on my part. When I read an essay, when I grade a poster or a project, yeah, you can give me a rubric and say, rubric, rubric, rubric all you want. Me filling out which level in that rubric, I mean, we try to make things so scientifically sometimes that aren't scientific. And that's another discussion I have to have is um, the idea of why the humanities in school are important to have. Because it kind of breaks that up. It, you, you need both. You need the scientific and the humanities. But I digress. Even rubrics aren't as scientific as you think. So one of the reasons I do assign extra credit is to alleviate that problem of my subjectivity. Okay, you don't agree that I gave you two points off on your essay? Well, here's an extra credit assignment that you can complete that will recover those two points, if not more. So throughout the years that I've been a teacher, especially in middle school, more than in high school, when I have parent-teacher conferences, I've always had this issue where a parent will come in and say, my child works very hard. You know, can you give anything to them for effort? They study very hard. Can you give anything to them for effort? And you really can't. I mean, 
think about it. How do I judge if a child's studying really hard? I, I can't. I, I don't. I can't look into their home life. I can't see what they're doing. I can give a review sheet out, and they can have it all done. But how do I know that they did it all on their own? Maybe they copied off a friend. You know, my oldest daughter had always said, "I will. I want you. Can I go to your school? I want you as a teacher." My response to her always was. You don't want me as your teacher because I'll know how well you're preparing for my tests and how much you're working on your projects because I can see it at home. So trust me, you don't want me as a teacher. But I can't do that for every one of my students, only if it's my kid. But at the same time, I agree with the parents especially in the middle school. You're preparing them for high school. You're preparing them for future endeavors of learning. And I don't mean just academically. Whatever career they go into, they're going to have to learn. They're going to have to put effort into learning. If they're an electrician, how to string wire, how to, how to diagnose what is wrong with an electrical line, right? They're going to need to learn that. They're going to need to put out the effort. But the question is, how do I determine there's effort there? And here is how I put effort into the grade without me having to judge if there's effort. I put it back on the student. And that's why I offer extra credit. It shows that they're willing to do something a little extra. And these paragraphs aren't taxing on them. You know, like I always say, and I ask kids who like, of course, the kids who are very good students will do the extra credit all the time. And throughout the year, I'll say, hey, for those kids doing extra credit, how long does it really take you? About 15 minutes, right? And the kids are like, yeah, probably some, some kids are like, takes me about five to 10. And these are kids who are writing top-notch paragraphs because the questions really aren't complicated. They don't really have to do any extra research. They can, for the most part, they either are talking to an adult about something like the question, what was your favorite history topic growing up and why? Or their views on a current event that we've been discussing in class. I mean, the last one that I had, because it was spring break, what would be your favorite spring break vacation and why? I just want them to write. So there's a benefit there, right? They are writing and they receive more points the better they write. If they give me like two or three sentences, they're not getting the full points, but they're going to get something. I always say, I don't, you won't lose any points. If you just do it, you're going to get at least one extra credit point. And I think this teaches a wonderful life lesson as well. If you're willing to take that extra step of effort, usually good things happen. You know, listen to people who are successful in their careers and ask them, why are they successful? And more often than not, you're going to hear them say, well, I put a couple extra hours in here. You know, when other people were doing this and having fun, I was going back and like relearning things. You know, the computer kid who says, when I was a kid, I wanted to know the guts of a computer. So I got an old computer for a lot. My parents got me an old computer for about a hundred bucks and I took it apart and I started to see, I looked up what it all did. When you put an extra effort, 
good things usually happen. Not all the time. But I'll tell you what, I think it's rare when you hear somebody say, I don't know, I got lucky. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but for the most part, people who are successful in what they do put out a little extra effort. And that's all the extra credit does. It allows my students to see, hey, do you want that better grade? Put out a little extra effort. Do the extra credit. And I think that's a valuable lesson for a child to learn in middle school, and maybe they get into the habit. So when they get into high school on their own, they're taking that little extra effort. And whatever they do. Again, I'm not saying just academically. I mean, I think of somebody like my brother-in-law who went to tech school to be an auto mechanic. It's like the kid in that class turning to his instructor while the other kids are going to lunch and say, hey, can you can you just go over this with me one more time? I want to make sure I got it. Right, That little extra effort. And I'm sure my brother-in-law, who is a very successful auto mechanic today, put in that extra effort to be where he is today. In fact, not only an auto mechanic, my brother-in-law is an excellent DIY home improvement guy. Because again, instead of just watching TV on the weekends from his job, he started learning, hey, how do I put this plumbing line in? How do I build something in my house? How do I build a closet? He actually built a closet for me in my old house. But it's that willingness to take the extra effort. And I think that's a wonderful lesson to teach kids. And that's why I do it. So if parents are happy, they know, hey, if you put out a little extra credit in Cullen's class, you're going to get extra points. It's going to improve your grade. You know, it's, and I'll tell you, from a teacher, it's good when a parent is questioning your, their child's grade. Hey, why didn't my kid, he missed the honor roll or she missed the honor roll because they had a 78 in your class. And you can pull up the grades and say, I offered five extra credit assignments. They didn't do any of them. And you kind of see the parent then turn and they're no longer upset with you, but they're upset with their child. And, you know, oh, I didn't know that. Or the worst one for the kid, not for the teacher, is when the parent goes, oh, Johnny told me he did it. He said he did them all. The other thing I allow on my test or retakes, again, some teachers don't. They believe that you want the child to prepare for that test on that day. Other teachers would say, isn't the important thing to know the content? And does it matter when they learn it? We all learn at different times, etc. So what I do is a hybrid of both. And again, it may it's going to get the people who believe that there should be no retakes and the people who say there should be retakes and whatever they get, they get at, in the end are both going to disagree with me on this. But here is what I do with retakes. One, my tests are always a big part of the marking period grade. It's the culmination of a unit. It's a culmination of all the lessons we did, all the discussions that we had, all the readings that they did, all the videos that they watched, all the projects that they did. It's the culmination of it all. And it's to check to see how well they understood it all. And it's history. It's very content-laden. And I understand that. And they're middle school students. They're not high school students. They're not college students. But when they get to college, their teacher is going to want them to know 
all that content in depth. So how do I encourage that and not discourage that? And that's one of the big things, right? If you keep on getting kids who are failing tests, one, you should find out why they're failing. But two, there needs to be a way out. Because let's be honest, we've all, we were all kids, and there are all times that we didn't put the effort in. That we didn't prepare as well as we did. Or maybe there's an issue. And again, um, one a, a podcast I did a while ago talks about if truly there is a something going on at home, be understanding of the child. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about a kid who maybe thought it'd be more fun to play video games for the week before the test rather than preparing for it. And now they realize that was a bad idea and they want to improve that grade. So my big thing is everything I teach you in my class is important. If it wasn't, I wouldn't be teaching it. It would be a waste of time. You need to reflect back how well you understood it to me in a test. So here is what I do. You take the test. Now, no matter what grade you get, I have kids who get a 95. They'll take the retake. And it's an online, open book, open note retake. They can do it at home. They have to do it on their own time. They can't do it in my class. And you're saying, well, they can cheat. Yeah, they can. I mean, they're going to put the effort in the cheat. They can cheat whenever. Cheating, maybe there's another podcast. I'm against cheating. Nobody should cheat. It should be your own work. You should take pride in what you do. The person who allows you to cheat is wrong. It's not that I'm for cheating. But I also realize my limitations, and I can't always be concerned about it, especially here. For the most part, the kids do it on their own. And again, they can open up their notebooks anyhow. So if they're asking a friend an answer, it's the same idea. They're learning the content. At least they're trying to learn the content to get the question right. I always tell my students, I want you to get 100 on this. You know, that's why take your time. Sadly, you have kids rushing through it just like they rush through the test and they don't get any extra points back. So the kids who do it right will have their notes open, will have the test open on their um, computer. They'll take it. They'll submit it. Now, I don't do 50-50. Obviously, the testing class is very different than the open note test. So it doesn't, doing 50-50, there isn't an equivalency with the classroom test and the at-home retake. So what I do is this. The classroom test is worth two-thirds of the final test grade. The retake is worth one-third. I add them together, that's their grade. So if you receive the 50 on the test at school and you do the retake, I believe the final grade is like a 67. It goes up to a 67. And there's a law of diminishing returns, meaning that kid who gets a 90 on the original test and wants to do the retake and that kid gets 100, their grade only goes to a 93. But again, I want to show a kid, hey, you messed up. I get it. Here's an opportunity to improve. You know, in life, sometimes you get those opportunities, sometimes you don't. And maybe next time you learn a lesson from this, you don't have to do the online retake. It takes away some of your time for playing those video games. So here is my idea on grading in a nutshell. One, it's not as scientific for most courses as people try to make it out to be. It can never be scientific. 
I mean, this whole idea that everything is science and you're forgetting about the humanities, you're forgetting about the human soul, the human intellect, the human emotion, trying to make it so sterile, you're not. it's not going to happen. Like I said, even a rubric that you try to make scientific in a, in a quote-unquote scientific in a social studies class still comes down to my subjectivity. It's The grading of a project or an essay is never going to be perfectly objective no matter how much you try. So the idea that grading is should be scientific ain't happening. Two, there should be somewhere that effort is reflected. And the best place to do it is if the kid does extra effort, let that be shown in their grade with extra credit. And that's what I believe. Three, your, if your content is important, then make it important. And that's why I do the retakes. Hey, this was important to learn. For one reason or another, you didn't learn it on that day. Here is an opportunity. And again, it, it goes back to it shows effort, but also shows that if you make a mistake, I'm here for you. I want you to improve. And I, I believe this grading is very student-centered. I've never had a parent come in to me and complain, why do you give extra credit or why do you give retakes? I think the parents are appreciative that I recognize their child is a middle schooler. And sometimes they're going to make bad choices and they're thankful that I extend grace to their child. Thank you for joining me on the Parent Teacher Conference podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share this podcast with friends. They can be teachers, they can be parents, they can be someone who's just interested in education and parenting. If you have a comment, a question, or an idea for a future topic, please feel free to reach out to me at ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. Remember, a good teacher cares deeply for their students, but good parents love those students, their children, deeply.